Welcome, one and all, to Revolutionary Spirituality, Episode 4, Conspiracy Talk, The Lost City of Atlantis and the Emerald Tablets. Now, as you may have noticed, Conspiracy Talk is a new segment which I want to start on this podcast, uh, a segment in which I will dissect conspiracy theories and look at their spiritual merit. Now, I will keep the debunking and or proving of these theories to an absolute minimum, and I will mostly be focusing on the spiritual lessons that can be extrapolated from the crux of these stories. Now, I feel like this segment needs a disclaimer, so here it is. I will not be covering blatantly anti-medical science and harmful conspiracies. I want this to be a fun and lighthearted segment, and um, even if I were to debunk um, harmful conspiracy theories, I would still be using my platform to expose people to, to these conspiracies. Now, this means that harmful and bigoted bullshit like QAnon, anti-vaxxers, lizard people, and other explicitly anti-science conspiracies won't be covered here. I cannot in good conscience platform these ideas, and if you believe in any of the ones I just mentioned, I really urge you to do some more research, because a lot of them are just anti-Semitism. Now, conversely, what I will be covering are things like Hollow Earth, ancient, ancient civilizations, ancient technology, UFOs, paranormal entities, apparitions, you know, the fun kind of conspiracy theory, not the dreary and depressing political kind that is so popular nowadays. You know, I want to get back to the fun conspiracies of a few decades ago and not dwell on the depressing clusterfuck that uh, is modern conspiracies like QAnon. Now, with all this being said, uh, for this first episode, I have chosen to talk about the lost city of Atlantis and the Emerald Tablets of Thought the Atlantean. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing Thought properly, but... I'm going to keep pronouncing it like that throughout this episode. Um, let us begin by talking about Atlantis itself and its origins. Now, the claim of the lost sunken city of Atlantis was initially made by Plato, who said he was recounting the facts given to him by an Egyptian priest, who alleged that all this happened over 9,000 years ago from Plato's time which would, of course, make Atlantis significantly older than the earliest recorded civilizations and places it at the rear end of the previous Ice Age. Now, the specificity of this date is often used as proof of Atlantis' existence, since cataclysmic events like a huge flood were likely to occur when the ice began to thaw and the end of the Ice Age. Now, this is all well and good, and um, that cataclysmic floods have occurred in the past has now been proven by science, but um, the geography of Atlantis, as described by Plato, doesn't really work. Like, there's this mudshawl he talks about that never existed, and uh, it just doesn't fit in the geographical area, like at the Strait of Gibraltar, where it was initially placed. 
and no compelling evidence has been found in that area either. However, this doesn't mean that an ancient civilization like Atlantis could not have existed and have been swallowed by, by, by the ocean. Um, you know, the accounts that Plato received may have been distorted over time. Um, the geography could have been a communication error. There are, there's, there's ways in which this is still possible. But whether or not Atlantis actually existed, the myth had now been introduced and would only grow in popularity over the ages. Um, there have been countless expeditions, people have been tediously scrounging satellite data for any hints, and the excitement about Atlantis just never subsided. Um, which is why there exists a multitude of theories revolving around the Atlantean mythos in one way or another, from the legendary landmass of Mu, for example, to the origins of ancient Egyptian architecture. The city of Atlantis really continues to enthrall uh, explorers and researchers and theorists. Now, in the wake of all of these theories and conjectures, arrived the Emerald Tablets of Thought the Atlantean. First transcribed and translated by M.D. Doriel, these tablets purport to have been originally written by Thought, an Atlantean priest-king who later built the Great Pyramid of Giza and ruled over Egypt between, now brace yourselves, 50,000 and 36,000 BCE. Now, this would, of course, revolutionize our understanding of history and the evolution of human society and humanity as a whole. And, well, it has obviously been met with overwhelming skepticism. Now, unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say this, um, this skepticism doesn't seem entirely unfounded. There exists no record of these tablets uh, outside of the translation provided by Doriel, and there is a singular emerald tablet from 12th century Arabia, but it doesn't really seem to bear any relation to Fat's emerald tablets, and um, yeah, so the only real piece of quote-unquote evidence is this translation by some dude, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but, um, let's get to the content, <clears throat> I'm sorry, of the Emerald Tablets. Now, the Emerald Tablets describe a thriving Atlantean society, um, ruled by, by priest kings and in contact with gods and renewing their immortality at some sort of underground source, which has later been dubbed the Fountain of Youth. Um, this thriving society over time, started to forget its divine roots and became so impure and so driven by hubris and greed that prominent members tried to access forbidden, deep, and ancient knowledge. Um, knowledge so deep and ancient and forbidden that it would have shattered this fragile planet and its inhabitants. Now, as punishment for this insolence, um, the all-seeing dweller of Undal, which is somewhat of a deity, brought an apocalyptic flood onto Atlantis and laid it to rest beneath the waves once and for all. Now, the surviving Atlanteans were brought to Egypt, where Thoth then erected the pyramid to mark and safeguard the entrance to the halls of Amenti, which is kind of an underworld where deities dwell. And... Um, 
also hid the emerald tablets in the pyramid. Now, the attentive listener will have noticed that this, this description of the fall of Atlantis bears an eerie similarity to the biblical myths found in Genesis and Exodus. You know, a perfect prelapsarian society brought down by humanity seeking forbidden knowledge and then subsequently being kicked out of its enclave. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now, um, a lot of these biblical myths are mashed together by thought in these tablets, like the flood came long after the fall in the Bible, but you can still make out these proto-elements of these stories. Now, if we believe Doriel and um, the dating of these tablets, this would make thought a sort of proto-Moses and a proto-Noah, um, tales of which may, of course, have inspired later religious religious leaders. Now, for the sake of fairness, it must of course be said that it is equally likely that Doriel wrote these tablets himself, as I alluded to earlier, and just took inspiration from biblical and Sumerian myths, which is why these are all so similar. But regardless of the veracity of, of the claims made in these tablets, I want to dive, I want to use them to dive into some spiritual connections and lessons one can, one can draw between Atlantis, these emerald tablets, and modern spiritual practices. Um, now let's start by looking at Atlantis itself in, in a spiritual way. Because if it's not taken at face value as a description of an actual place, Atlantis in modern day is usually viewed in two distinct contexts. Now, firstly, um, it is viewed as a metaphor for human hubris, greed, and hedonism, and the associated pitfalls. Now, Atlanteans in these scenarios are, are depicted as not being humble, nor patient, nor virtuous and are thus seeking knowledge that they are not yet ready for, or they're just being total dicks about their wealth and power, depending on the version. Uh, this behavior then leads to either human error or divine intervention, which in turn leads to Atlantis being swallowed whole by the ocean. Now, in a spiritual context, this can be seen as sort of a reminder um, that we need to progress slowly and humbly, and that our spiritual awakening does not make us superior to our fellow humans. You know, it's it's an emphasis on the on spiritual humility, basically. Um, secondly, the second context in which Atlantis is viewed in modern times is as a praise of a Spartan kind of lifestyle. Now, this was likely Plato's intended reading of the text, um, because he described the Atlantean society as hedonistic and lacking in discipline and piety, um, and contrasted that to the lifestyle of the Spartans, who were, you know, regimented, militaristic, disciplined, dedicated, and just overall described as, you know, really cool and awesome and badass. <laughs> now, um, the hubris and the expansionist fervor brought on by the hedonistic excess of Atlantean life led to Atlantis conquering large parts of the mainland before being humiliatingly crushed by the Spartans. Now, 
it is fairly obvious um, what the moral of this story is. And in a spiritual context, I think that this can serve as a reminder that the spiritual path is one of discipline, humility, and austerity. And that it entails controlling your hedonistic and materialistic urges when you are seeking true enlightenment. Because these are all things of the ego. These are all very, very human things that the ego imprints on each and every one of us. And defeating these urges and staying on this disciplined um, path of humility and austerity um, is, is a key aspect of spiritual development. And so I think that, that that's a pretty pretty nifty connection there. Um, now Atlantis, as, as clearly demonstrated by these two examples, is a fountain of moral lessons and interesting history. But I think that the Emerald Tablets of Thought add to it a whole new dimension of spiritual importance. Um, now there is a few main spiritual lessons that can, in my opinion at least, be gleaned from these tablets. Now, first and foremost, we've got the power of meditation, which is, as you well know, a foundational practice in most spiritual schools of thought. Now, um, the all-seeing dweller of Undal, um, you know, a powerful spiritual figurehead, basically, is said to have been mostly in a present in a state called Agvanti, uh, which is this deep meditative slumber in which he could survey the daily comings and goings in the Atlantean city and which strengthened his connection to the cosmic source. Now, this clearly highlights the importance on uh, placed on meditative practices in this tablet, but also brings me to our next point, which is astral projection. Now, astral projection seems to be a main feature, a, a main focus of ancient Atlantean society. Thoth himself learned his, his earliest lessons um, and that led him on his path to enlightenment while astral projecting through the infinite cosmos, where he met both children of light and agents of dark and was introduced to the cosmic source. He was introduced to, um, to the children of light, which are these these, these um, incorpor incorporeal, ethereal entities, these disembodied entities that live out in the cosmos as close to the cosmic source as they can. <clears throat> and... Um, as I said before, the Dweller also used astral projection to keep an eye on Atlantis. And it is also how many of the Lords of Light, which uh, live in the halls of Amenti that I mentioned earlier, um, are said to traverse the planes of existence while they slumber. So <clears throat> astral projection um, seems to be a very potent feature in, in Atlantean society and the Emerald Tablets. Um, also, as a quick aside, what I noticed here, um, the whole part about these Lords of Light that are slumbering but still dreaming and that are not really dead because they're outside of death um, seems a little Lovecraftian to me, which um, would either suggest that, um, you know, the fear of the unknown and cosmic horror and themes of, of, of the insignificance of humanity uh, were present in, in literature and in mythology a lot longer than, than we thought, 
or that maybe Doriel, whilst writing these tablets himself, maybe took some inspiration from Lovecraft? I don't know, I'm just saying. Um, the next um, spiritual idea we can see in these tablets is the idea of reincarnation, which is another very explicit feature of the mythos. Now, all souls come from the cosmic source, of course, and they usually reincarnate randomly and with amnesia, unless they're flames, which seem to be representatives of the souls or the essence of humanity or something like that, have left the dark veil. Now, Fat, our main dude, uh, when he first ascends, when he's first called to the dweller and introduced to the halls of Amenti, he is then brought to a being characterized as Death himself, who um, releases his uh, Fat's soul from the dark veil, which allows Fat to be able to reincarnate amongst humanity as he chooses, to die when he chooses, but to never truly be dead and to never experience the amnesia that is usually associated with death. Now, in this example, it is also made very clear that this state can be achieved by any human if they follow the path. And... Um, I think this this one tidbit leads us to my last um, point here um, regarding spiritual ideas present in this text, which is the idea of enlightenment. Now, from all the context clues, it is very obvious to me that these tablets, much like the Kabbalistic Tree of Life or the Path of the Buddha, represent a spiritual roadmap to enlightenment. Like all spiritual works, they explain to you the steps that you have to take if you want to free your soul, your energy, your awareness, your, your cosmic flame, whatever you want to call it, from the bondage of the second death and you allow yourself to reincarnate at will. This is the same thing as the great work in magic, the Bhatsivatas in Buddhism, and it is one of the first cosmic steps on the path of light and awakening. Now, unfortunately, many people nowadays believe that this present moment awareness, this awareness of the immortal soul, this first stage of enlightenment is the pinnacle of spiritual development, when it's really not. Like, in terms of your cosmic energy vessel, your soul, this is the first step. It's a hard step, it's a step that most people won't arrive at, but it is the first step on a ladder that keeps extending the higher you climb. Like, enlightenment is not the end-all and be-all. Being able to re reincarnate at will isn't even the, 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 the pinnacle of spiritual development. It goes so much further. Like, there is so much spiritual work you can do on your immortal soul, it's absolutely mind-boggling. But um, wrapping this up, um, do I think that the Atlantean society, as described in these tablets, existed some 40,000 years ago, completely overhauling our understanding of human history? Probably not. I mean, I think to an extent it's plausible. I wouldn't dismiss it outright. But I honestly kind of think that it doesn't matter. Like, what these tablets purport to contain is ancient lost knowledge. And I think that that's true. You know, the path of enlightenment 
has been forgotten and watered down. And these tablets serve to remind us of that monumental human potential. You know, and if you want to talk about um, ancient technology contained within these um, these tablets, because that's a big part of any Atlantis myth, um, I don't think we need to be as literal about it as many researchers are. Like, um, interstellar and interdimensional travel devices? That's just the human mind. Astral projecting through the cosmos, conversing with cosmic entities with already ascended souls, and rediscovering the spiritual power of human consciousness. And I think that that's much more important and much more paradigm-shifting than any claims of an ancient society 40,000 years ago. And I think that if, if there's anything we, we need to take away from the conspiracy theories surrounding Atlantis and the Emerald Tablets is that it's the spiritual lessons contained within these pages. And yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I know this is completely different to what I've done before. And... Um, but I think it's it, it's really cool, and I really want to keep doing this. So let me know if, if you enjoyed this um, new segment. And um, please make sure to follow me on social media. If you are listening on my website, um, the links to it are somewhere in the upper right corner of your screen. If you are not on my website and listening to this on any other platform, I urge you to visit my website, which is thespiritualanticapitalist.wordpress.com. That's thespiritualanticapitalist, that's all lowercase, um, all one word, .wordpress.com. <clears throat> Now, on my website, aside from my blog, the podcast, um, ways to contact me, and all my social media, you can also find ways to support the show, namely Ko-fi, Patreon, and PayPal. Now, um, if you choose to pledge a certain amount of money each month on Patreon, you will, of course, get some perks, like monthly AMAs, uh, meditation sessions, early access to episodes, bonus episodes, access to scripts, um, access to my Snapchat, all of these things. So, if that sounds at all interested to you, um, any anything you can give would be much appreciated and really awesome of you and um yeah oh by the way um i am gonna change the url to my website um soon i'm I'm currently figuring out how to do that on wordpress and because i would need to change it everywhere and it's it's kind of a hassle but um the next episode will probably by the time the next episode will be released i'll probably have a new url so um just a heads up. Uh, anyhow, again, I hope you enjoyed. Please let me know what you thought and uh, have a blessed day. I'll see you around. Bye-bye.